Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. get into uh, This Is Us series part five, and I want to talk today specifically about how I want to be known for people that are pursuing or wanting or desiring and are in the presence of God. And I want to talk about how, how important and how vital that is today, and I want to see if our heart lines up with King David, because King David was probably one of the biggest champions of the presence of God. And, and it had a significant impact on how he led, how he lived life, how he saw life, uh, even, even in the imperfect moments. I mean, David was not perfect. He had imperfect moments. We all know that. But the presence of God was something that David sought so desperately. I want to show that with you, share with that with you today. Uh, and, and my heart as a pastor of why I think we need to be a people that pursue and abandon ourselves into the presence of God because it is life changing it is life transforming so we're going to pick up in psalm 27 verse 4 in a second um but have you ever had a moment where you've kind of been lost in thought you know you you've been doing something and all of a sudden you know you you find yourself thinking about something and you kind of go off into not la la land but everything else kind of stands still you know your your wife can be near you're talking and you're you're just like totally zoned out and then she yells at you and snaps you out of it or you know maybe your wife is aggressive enough that she just slaps you across the head and you wake up you know that kind of a thing but but we've all had moments where we've We've kind of lost some, uh, ourselves in a thought because it's consumed us. Something grabbed our attention. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was sitting in my house on a Sunday night, and we were um, experiencing some problems with our dog, Mika. Um, and so we had a couple of trips to the vet, and uh, everything is fine. But, but at the moment, I remember Cora having to take her to, uh, to the emergency vet in Burlington uh, just to make sure that what, this, what we were seeing wasn't serious and, and whatever because she was just kind of sneezing a lot and then her reaction, you know, with her breathing. So we just wanted to make sure. And so when Cora and the girls left um, and, and it was just me and Abby at the house, I was like sitting there thinking to myself, man, I, don't re- I never realized. I mean, I always thought about this, but not to this length or this depth of how much this dog really means to me, all right? Like, it's kind of funny. Like, I'm like, man, if something happens to the dog, like, what am I going to do? Like, what's my life like without this dog? You know, I know it sounds silly, but, but I, you know, I just, I, I've gotten so attached to this dog that, you know, after, for four years coming in the house every single day, and that dog runs for me, throws the ball in front of me, or curls up beside you, like, it just becomes, or even now in the mornings when I, when I get up early in the mornings, and she's kind of got her head, and she positions herself always to the outside of the crate, so that as I'm walking down the stairs, she's look and she looks up when I wait, when I come down the stairs, and she's looking up as if, "Yo, bro, do not pass unless you're going to pet me." And so, you know, like I'm giving her scratches and whatever. And so there's this bond, and I found myself sitting there going, "Man, what would I do?" And I was consumed with the thought for just a few moments, enough that kind of life kind of stand stood still for me. And we all have moments like that. You see a mountain or, you know, you're thinking about a situation or whatever, and we get consumed with the thought. The presence of God was something that David was consumed with. And you're going to see that today through the language of the Psalms that he wrote of how passionate and how, how he almost, there were moments where, you know, he kind of got, got caught up. In fact, look at Psalm 27, verse 4. This is one of his prayers. He said, you know, Lord, one thing that I ask from you, 
the one thing, if there was one thing that I asked, just think about if somebody said to you, you can ask for one thing in all of life, just one thing, what would that be? You know, and I'm sure there's a million things that are running through your mind right now. It could be, you know, $10 million or, you know, maybe someone did better than $100 million or whatever. But if you had one thing to ask for, and David said, if there was one thing that I could ask for. And to be honest with you, he says, God, it's the only thing that I really seek. It's the only thing that I'm pursuing. It's the only thing that I'm chasing after. It's the only thing that I just, I just want to have is if I could spend, if I could dwell in the house of God for all of the days of my life, that I could sit in your presence every single day, all day long, 24-7, I just want to be there so that I can just gaze. That I can, you know, the, the word here for, you know, gazing on God is this idea that, you know, you're, you're, you're contemplating. You, you have this vision of something you have, you have beheld. I just want to behold. I want to I soak in. I just want to experience the beauty, meaning the majesty, meaning the, uh, the I, I love this. When you look at the word, uh, there's a, the, the word has, one of the definitions is sweet, the sweetness of God. I just, I just want to enjoy the presence of God, the character of God, the beauty of who God is, what he has done, what he is doing. Just everything about God is just, just so, so sweet. And I just want to seek him. I just, I just want to be in his presence, and I want to chase after him. I want, to, I want to have this moment with him. The temple always represented this sacred place of worship and this meeting with God. Whenever you see that referenced in scripture, it's the meeting place of God. I just want to connect with you. That's what David's saying in this moment. He was so consumed by it. It's not just, you know, uh, uh, just a long-term plan of his or desire of his, but it was a daily one. Psalm 63, verse 1 to 5. We're going to look at that today reveals how, and you'll see this common language throughout David's psalms that he's written. You know, he goes here, he says, listen, God, you're my God. There's no doubt about that. And I earnestly, like I earnestly, I, I, I just, I, I look out for, I diligently, it's this idea of just pursuit. It's this idea of breakthrough. I'm pushing. I, I just earnestly seek you. And I thirst for you. Which is interesting because a lot of scholars, you know, believe that at this point in David's uh, life, he's somewhere in a desert and he is being triggered by a thought. Remember what I said earlier, you know, you have a moment where something happens and it triggers a thought and you get lost in the thought. And, 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 and the reason why David says, listen, I earnestly seek you and I thirst for you, which, which represents a deep spiritual craving. And he's being triggered by sitting in this desert and, and he's like, what's the one thing that you would crave if you're in the desert that you could not have or you don't think that it's there would be water. And he's like, I thirst for you. What he's basically saying is, God, even if I were in the middle of a desert and I had no access to water, do you know the one thing that I would desire I would desire you before that water. I would want you more than the water. I know the water would satisfy me in the moment, but the truth is you satisfy me all the time. Wow. That I would give up a glass of water just to have 
you or to be in your presence, to worship you. And here's why. Look at this. He had this strong spiritual craving, but there's a reason for it. Verse 2 to 5, he said, because I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've, I've been in your temple. I've been in your presence. And here's what I've experienced it. I have beheld. It's the exact same word that he uses in, in Psalm 27 for the word gaze. I've beheld. I've experienced. I have come into your presence. And this is what I've experienced. I've experienced your power. Meaning this, this ability of God to act and produce something inside of us that has an effect or some kind of impact in the moment. I've been in your temple. I've been worshiping you. And while I've been worshiping you and seeking you and chasing after you, whether it's through prayer or in worship and lifting my hands and or clapping and celebrating or whatever, I've experienced your power inside my life. One of the things that I shared last week is I wanted to be known as a church that has true ministry happening among us. That Luke chapter 4, what Jesus came to accomplish would be done in our services, and our youth ministry, our kids ministry, you know, when we're outside and we're engaging our community and we're serving our community, that people would know just in the same way that Jesus said, listen, I've come to establish the worth and the value, you know, to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free, man, to, you know, to, 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 to release the oppressed, to, to heal the brokenhearted. He said, in the same way that I send you, or the same way I've been sent, I'm going to send you. And that's why this week I, I want to suggest to you that, that you can't have true ministry happening unless we're pursuing the presence of God as believers. Because David says, listen, here's what I experienced. When I got into your presence, that's when I started to see for myself and experience firsthand the power of God or his glory. The word here generally means weightiness. There's this heaviness about the presence of God, but it's not a heaviness that's uncomfortable. It's, it's like a security. You can feel the, the, you know, how big God is in this moment, his qualities, his person. What David was saying is, God, you in that moment just reveal yourself. I mean, think about Moses when he would go into the tent of meeting and the cloud would come down and would fill the entire tent as he's meeting with God. Everything, every, every square inch around him was surrounded by the presence of God. He was, he was just covered in the presence of God. And David says, listen, man, when I get it, here's why I seek it. Here's why I long for it. Here's why I crave it. Because when I do, God, you show up. You show up. You show up. And the thing is, can I just say this? I said this, I made this comment last week, and I'll say it again. Years of leading worship, years of pastoring, there's one thing that I think determines what happens in a service more than anything else. Choice. Choice. If I want to experience God, you know, because it's a traditional Pentecostal, I've heard it for years, man. I, I remember meeting an old friend of mine who's pastoring locally, small little church, and and, uh, you know, he, he made a comment about, you know, lingering in worship. And you got to, you know, man, you, 
how do you get into the presence of God in 20, 25 minutes? You know, it, it takes at least an hour to get into the presence of God. And I'm like, where are you going if it takes you an hour? I don't understand how you can't get into the presence of God in 30 seconds. That's a choice. That's an expectation issue. You know, and as far as the power of God being released and unveiled, that's a choice too. Because remember, I shared this last week. I'll say it again. We use the scripture as a reference for salvation in Revelation. I stand at the door and I knock. And whoever opens the door, I come in. Listen, I think that God takes that same approach in everything. I'm here. All I need for you to do is open the door. Open the access way. Let me have access. Meaning you make the choice. Yeah, but pastor, that's not my favorite worship song. So what? Sorry, and if that offends you, you can take it up with me afterwards. I've got favorite worship songs. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some so songs that, yes, if I could bury somewhere, I would. But as a worship leader, you know that certain songs will trigger certain people, but mature worshipers know how to worship through that. That's the truth. That's the absolute truth. Trust me, man, as a worship leader for years, one of my biggest struggles is sitting on the sidelines. Oh, man, the flow. Ah, oh, that transition could have been better. You know, and I, and you know, like it just, and anybody that's been a part of it knows what I'm talking about. It's a wrestle. And so you just go, but I'm not here for that today. That's not my role. I have no control over that. But I'm not letting that keep me from engaging the presence of God because I'm like David. I crave to be in the presence of God, whether it's in a worship service context or it's in my home or in my car or wherever I am. That's what I love about this passage is because in Psalm 27, David is in the desert and he's still lingering, longing for the presence of God. And he's confident that even, he, even though he's not in the temple, the presence of God, because David had a revelation. The temple is just this center place, but it is not, and I'll show you in a second, it is not always where worship happens or the presence of God. Presence of God is everywhere. And David knew it. And David goes, man, in the same way that I've seen you in the, in the temple and, and I've experienced you in, you know, uh, in the sanctuary, the truth is, the truth is, I can experience that same power and that same glory no matter where I'm at because of choice. Because I'm choosing to be like David. I'm chasing after. I'm longing for. And you know, let me highlight two other things in this passage. Because when David was pursuing the presence of God, just look at this for a second. He goes on to say this. He said, because your love is better than life. How in the world does David discover how deep and how wide and how strong and how powerful the love of God is to the point where he says, listen, your love is better than anything in or life itself. Do you know why I think he made that statement? Because he's been in the presence of God and he has seen the power of God firsthand and he's experienced the glory of God. And those two things have instilled a deep sense of I know the love of God. So just a practical note for anybody that's a part of community, you know, if you see me pushing you to press into the presence of God, that's why.
Because I want you to walk out of here confident that the love of God is so deep in your life and mine that there's nothing better. It's nothing, not even life itself. I want to experience the manifest presence of Jesus. I want to experience in this place the power and the glory of God because when I read the scriptures, everywhere Jesus walked into, something happened. But choice. And this resulted in David. Look at it. He goes on. He says, listen, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And I will, listen to how confident, I will be fully satisfied as if I was eating the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will ever praise you. God. And you know, just think about that, the richest of foods. You know, I, I was thinking about this on Thursday, and I shared it. You know, uh, one of the struggles of being on a diet, um, and trust me, the last three or four weeks have not been great weeks. So if I look a little pudgy, don't say anything. Just pretend that I'm still skinny, okay? Like, I just, well, I'm not really skinny. Let's be honest. I'm over 200 pounds. There's no such thing as skinny. But anyways... But it was Sydney's birthday this Wednesday. She turned 16, and we always say to the girls, especially when it's a chaotic week, we just say, okay, for sure, what do you want for, you know, supper? And whatever you want, we'll, you know, either go out or we'll get. And Sydney's go-to is usually Chinese food. And, oh, how many are with me, man? I just love Chinese food. Come on, man. And so, yeah, man, you, listen, it's, listen, it's a guilty pleasure. You can admit to it. Go ahead. Just go ahead, man. It's, it's all right, right? You know, like I could have a self-help group, like a support group, because I like Chinese food so much, man. Like I just, you know, and so as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, sweet. And then all of a sudden I went, oh, you got to be kidding me. Man, I'm going to starve myself for days to have a plate of Chinese food if I'm going to stay on track. Like, you know, that type of thing. But, man, it came. I went and picked it up. I sat there on the table, and I was like, man, okay, I'm breaking my diet. It's my kid's birthday. What a great excuse, right? And, uh, and, and so, you know, I'm going to have this. And, you know, of course, I couldn't just have one plate. That's, like, that's impossible. You have to have two. I mean, it's like... You know, and uh, and shh, don't tell Cora I ordered extra because I knew, right? So, um, but anyway, so and man, I'll tell you, it just hit the spot. You know, when you're craving something, it just hits the spot, and there are some people that will overindulge and then go, oh, you know, I regret it, and I wasn't at that point, but but. And I don't think that's what David is saying here. I think what David is saying, he goes, I didn't overindulge, but the presence of God is so powerful and so it just hits me right where I'm at and it leaves me fully satisfied. As if I just sat and ate the richest of foods. In that moment of just, you're just content.
And my question, because I don't know about you when I get to passages of Scripture. I remember years ago uh, hearing a pastor evangelist that came in and spoke at our church. Um, I remember, uh, you know, hearing him uh, say this. He said, you ever want to really study the Bible? He said, learn how to ask questions. Like, look at the scripture and ask yourself, what does this mean to me? Or how does it apply to me? Or how does it, you know, just ask questions. Why? What? Where? And he said, you don't need, you don't, you don't need like all this stuff. He said, you just ask those questions and then you pray about it. And, you, and maybe you cross-reference stuff and you begin to dig a little bit. But he said, you just ask questions and you'd be surprised. So I, I look at these passages of scripture. I think about my heart for us as a church going, man, I, I want this because, man, if, if David's right, and I think David is, there's a reason why David craved it more than life itself. There's a reason why David said, if I had one thing that I could ask for, I would just want to be in the presence of God. If, if, that's, if that's the level of pursuit, that means his experience has been something so significant that he just wants to keep coming back to it, 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 back to it. He just doesn't want to stop. And then I ask myself, do I feel that way? Do I crave the presence of God like David? And not that David's the standard, but what I'm saying is, what is it that David has experienced that has defined how he pursues. That maybe I'm not. So then I go to the second question then. So what is my experience in God? Am I experiencing the power and the presence or the glory of God? Do I sense the manifest presence of God knowing that that's available? Because I have a hard time believing that this was unique to just David. Do you know what I'm saying? And if I'm not experiencing that, then, then why not? Right? And then I go back to choice. And I go back to approach. So I just want to throw out a question to you. Just out of curiosity. And the only person that can answer this is you. And can I just say that when I ask this question, I'm asking myself this question. And you need to know that it's not meant to be, you know, condemning or, well, you're not good enough or, or whatever. It's not that at all. It's meant to challenge thought inside your heart in, in, in my hope that, that it will challenge you or stir you to press in that much more. But is your approach to worship, your approach when you come in here on a Sunday, or your approach when you go to pray, your approach to sit down in the presence of God in your devotional time? Because you don't have to be in the sanctuary. I'll show you that in a second. Is your approach opening and revealing the same thing that David experiences or is your approach robbing you of those experiences your expectation my expectation 
And if it's your desire, because it's mine, I'll tell you, I walk in here every Sunday. You know, uh, usually I've already started this process the night before, but, but there are times intentionally on a Sunday morning as I'm driving in, I'm like, you know what, God, there's going to be a lot of things going on today. You know, we might hit some issues with, you know, power, sound, septic, you know, whatever. Like, you know, we might hit some things today, but God, you know what I want to hit today? I want to hit you. And I want to gravitate to your presence. And I made this comment, and God, over the last number of years, and especially in the last couple of years, that, you know, God's not good at hide and seek, you know, you know, because he's just not good at it. Because wherever he is, you're, you know, you're going to find him. Because that's what the scripture says. And and then all of a sudden, the Lord just began to challenge me on that. And he's like, don't tell me I'm not a good hide-and-go-seek player because I'm the best at everything, you know, kind of a thing. But, but all of a sudden, I had a different image. Just think about when a kid walks through the door and they haven't seen mom and dad for a while. They run faster than their legs do. They trip over stuff just so they can get into the arms of dad. Because they know, man, there's that, there's that security or that, you know, get into the arms of mom. It's that security, that sense of, man, yeah. The reason why we can do that is because God is always there. He never leaves. We just have to open the door and run after him. He's right there. Our choice determines the outflow of his presence in our lives. I mean that. And it's not because he doesn't want to. It's because he's just waiting for us to go, I want to chase after you. And we have to be careful because it is so easy. And we're going to look at Amos chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 today. Because as I was studying this, I came across a passage that kind of grabbed my attention. And Amos was a prophet to, um, to the northern part of, of Israel at the time, the northern kingdom. And, and Amos... Um, was was a prophet in a land that was very like they were just blessed like materially they were blessed so life was good life life was really good and 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 they were making a lot of treks to you know uh you know to to the worship centers and and David mentioned or uh, Amos mentions them Bethel and uh, Gilgal and Beersheba and I'm I'm not going to get into all of the locations but all three of them have significant historical uh, encounter type of encounter of God type of moments in Israel's history, and and Bethel specifically was where the current king was going to worship, and and but but here was the problem, the the northern kingdom though they were really well off one of the problems and this is why Amos says what he says in chapter five here verse four and five was because the people had generally become so ritualistic in their worship that they had fallen away from God. And in, such, in, in so much so that it led to doing a life that was evil, 
unjust, any of those types of things, and the complete opposite of God's heart. And so he speaks through Amos, and he says, Amos, this is the word of the Lord. And he says, this is what the Lord says to Israel, seek me. Again, here's another word very similar to the one that, you know, David uh, used, the idea of follow, worship me. You know, again, the context, and I want to be very clear about the context. The, the idea is, is literally just aligning yourself in relationship with God the Father. So seek me. But if you do, the word live here, and he's speaking to individuals because he's about to bring judgment on the northern kingdom because they've fallen so far away from him, and that's not his heart. And he says, listen, seek me, meaning follow me, worship me, and you will live. And the word live there is, you know, uh, this idea of refreshing and renewing. So when you seek me and you walk in relationship with me, you will find yourself walking alive, like you're renewed all the time. There's a refreshing that comes upon your life. The very thing that I want to do inside, this is the reason why he's reaching out to people through the prophet Amos. But notice what he says to them. He says, but do not seek Bethel. To the hearers of the moment, what that would say is, don't worship me in Bethel. Don't go there. What? But God, this is, the, this is the epicenter of worship in our area. Don't go there. And don't go to Gilgal. And in fact, don't even make the journey to Beersheba. All three places of worship, significant historical. Don't go there. What he was saying is, I'm not there. Because I'm not in ritual worship. You're not going to find me if your pursuit is ritualistic and cold and I'm just doing it for the sake of doing it. I'm not going to be found there. But here's where I'll be found. The place that you choose to seek. Wherever that is, you're going to find me, and when you do, you will be alive. And one of my challenges, the reason why I'm challenging the presence of God, on one hand, it's the power and the glory and experiencing, and I promise you, if you, if you, man, if you have never tasted the manifest presence of God, oh, I cannot wait for you to get a taste. It will forever change you. I mean it. In fact, it'll ruin you, because you'll be like, man, this is... Man, we got to go more. Come on, PC, let's go, let's go. You know? But you're not going to find God in ritualistic worship. And one of the biggest things that I think churches struggle with, people struggle with, is to keep the pursuit of God fresh. And the only way I know how to keep it fresh is to keep going after it. And the more I dig the more I find. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.